Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Rain Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning and welcome to the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app streaming live on MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on 710sports.com and of course the venerable V. Outdoorline.com with blogs, merchandise, and so very, very much more. What's up, Joey? Good morning. We've been here, you know, just doing it and, and by ourselves and stuff. and Just very, barely getting by. Very special guest, <laughs> Rob Ensley, has decided to join the show. I was surprised that my key worked when I, when I pulled into the building. Nice. We, almost had, we almost had him cancel. I went up to the parking lot. I was like, this is not, there's no way they're letting me in the parking lot this morning. But thank you for letting me back in the building. Unfor- I appreciate it. I kind of went off the deep end the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, Nicole, Nicole feels the same way. I bet you had the same trepidation putting the key Actually, in the lock. Actually, half my door. stuff was in the driveway. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. To go. So no, she got the, me all packed up. The yeah. real special guest <laughs> is, is Heather Duville, Instagram star, A.K. Moosey, in the house. Good Thank morning. Good Thanks. morning. Thank, Thank you, you for coming in, Heather. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you in here this morning. Uh, you know, as you know, Tom is a salmon smoking geek. Okay, and he's been geeking. Well, all of us have, for that matter, on all your salmon smoking stuff on your Instagram channel, and we're going to be covering that quite a bit here the next couple of hours with you. Of course, you shot a, a really nice Sitka blacktail a couple of days ago too. We're going to talk about that, but we're going to dive into some of your your salmon smoking techniques that you and your dad and your family. Uh, you know, use up in Southeast Alaska, and there's a ton of your followers down here in the Northwest as well. So we're we're excited to have you in, and thanks for coming in here this morning. Thank Heather. you. It's an honor to be here. Well, it, and you've already influenced the way I do business too, with with regard to cold smoking. Because I, uh, way back when when I was a fishery student, I worked with the University of Washington and all through the Alaskan Peninsula, and just all these sockeye fisheries and Chignik and and Iliamna and everything. And and during these projects, you know, we we worked with a lot of the native folks and and the way they cold smoked sockeye, and I just I just became addicted to it. And we we during this one research project, we ate sockeye thirty days in a row, and I'm like, I I, could, I mean, I could just literally live on this stuff, right? Tom has a little actually, post fin right on the bottom yeah, of his yeah, yeah, back yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. My, my, he doesn't yeah. show it off very often, but <laughs> my, it's there. My blood, oh, I've seen it. Yeah, trust yeah, me. My, my blood it's type's Ankarinkas Joicha. Yeah. So so. But that we tend to do business through the whole box and hot plate thing, which is cooking it, right? Right. Which is fine, but people kind of don't understand how to do that. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited to have you in the studio. And and you and I spent, you know, an hour on a phone a couple weeks ago and just kind of talking about how you guys do it and stuff. So, And we we have a couple taste tests. Through yeah, the, I'm so, excited. I brought well, some stuff for you to try. Yeah. Oh, boy. So but uh, so you, you happen to have, you come down here. You know, and then we just got you in studio, and I'm just I'm just thrilled to have you here. For yeah, sure. timing's perfect. Thank you for having me. Definitely. So let's run through the show really quick. Here we got Shondi Campbell jumping on here from Browning. We've had Shondi on a bunch here the last few years, and and I just got a chance to hunt with her down in New Mexico. Just had an absolute ball with her and and, uh, and Jimmy Wilson from Winchester, Colton Heward. We just had an amazing trip down there. So she's going to jump on and do a little bit of a trip recap and and uh, tell us how that all went and, and some of the new stuff that Browning has coming up here. She's uh, going to jump on at six twenty five. 7 o'clock, we're going to cover 
smoke some smoking salmon here with Heather. Um, Heather in studio, Heather DeVille here, AK Moosey on Instagram. If you're not following her already, jump on Instagram and give her a follow. And then Brian Lynn from the Sportsman's Alliance is going to come on at 725 and talk about some of the shifty stuff going on here with our Fish and Wildlife Commission and and uh, some of the stuff that, we, that, that we're aware of that you need to be aware Absolutely. of, too. Absolutely. You need to pay attention uh, little, to what's going on. A little spooky here. We, you know, we, our hunting uh, pr- uh, opportunities, privileges, and rights – are up for grabs right now here in Washington, and yep. uh, we've really got to be aware of it and uh, be on our toes here because there's some there's some stuff going on with our commission that's not real real pleasant. So, so this week was the annual meeting of the TWS or the Wildlife Society, which is a convention of wildlife biologists from across the country, and for the really really for the first time, anti hunting groups were allowed to address this body, the wildlife, and and so. That's I have that's a big red flag for me right there. And and one of the points that, and Brian Lynn, who's gonna join us, actually sent me a, a, a screenshot of one of the PowerPoint slides, and it was truly death by PowerPoint, this whole thing he, he had to go through and he's gonna tell us about it. But one of the one of the aspects that really troubles me is the hunting and fishing model of wildlife management worked for several years, but it's obsolete. So several years? Like yeah. Like a hundred years, like 100, yeah. 75 yeah. years. So yeah. this is this is really a, a, a solution looking for a problem here, and and uh, you know now you 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 view this in light of the the accelerated wolf reintroduction, and now grizzly bears. Let, let's introduce grizzly bears too. Reintroduce yeah. grizzly bears into, into the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and well, the bottom line is our commission is uh, you know. <laughs> It's just a little mixed up right now here, and we're not being represented uh, you at know, all. Uh, anglers and hunters here in Washington. So Brian's going to jump on 725, kind of cover some of the stuff uh, that you should really be aware of. In the meantime, there's a lot of folks out there in the Northwest right now with salmon in the freezer. They might even have fresh salmon right now. I mean, the silver runs are coming in really strong here, uh, especially on the Chehalis system. Uh, we've got extensions on the Snohomish, Skykomish, and uh, Snoqualmie rivers right now. You can, you can fish through this weekend. Tons of silvers in there. I was just up on the Skagit with LPJ on Wednesday, loaded with silvers up there. And so a lot of folks are smoking salmon right now. And, Heather, that's part of the reason. We're, there's many reasons why you're in studio here with us, but that's part of the reason why we have you here. You are an expert uh, at smoking salmon, cold smoking, any of that stuff. And we want to cover some of the techniques you use uh, especially for cold smoking salmon, because it's something that folks down here, and I, I know that I'm not very good at it. Tom, you just got into it, uh, but I think folks are going to be really keenly uh, interested in what you have to say about that process. So um, I don't know. You got some questions, Tom? Or well, what? the thing of it is, and, and Heather, one of the reasons that, that you know I've, I've enjoyed get, getting to know you is the fact that you guys, you guys don't eat out of the grocery store. Your, your food is, is all around you, and, and that's – Kind of the way we'd like to live here. I mean, Robbo's got a freezer full of caribou and elk right now, and then, you know I've got elk and, and pheasant in the freezer and a lot of salmon and halibut and everything else. But you know, you, you guys, where you live is your grocery store, right? Food sovereignty is very important to us, and and the whole process, you know, from start to finish, from harvesting the fish or harvesting you know our own food, and the process of cutting it, putting it in the smokehouse, and preserving it. It's all traditions that have been passed down for generations and generations. And the the process is, it's a lot of work. Um, we connect to our food source, um, and it's just a way for us to honor our ancestors who have taught us and pass those traditions down to us. And, and we practice our culture to keep it alive. 
Yeah, Tlingit means people of the tides. And just watching you guys, I mean, there's no more fitting term uh, for the Tlingit people. I mean, you you and your dad and your whole family, you're out there all the time, uh, whether it be salmon or halibut or shrimp. And, and I was talking to your dad last year and, and like, well, how much halibut got in your freezer? He's like, we don't freeze it. Yeah, we, we want a halibut, we go get a halibut. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, year round. We're, we're really fortunate. You know, yeah. we're able to eat fresh fish year round. Um, yeah. And we never take more than what we're going to use. And, and we always make sure we share with the community, share with elders yeah. who aren't able to get out there and hunt and harvest. And the community, we just take care of each other. And, and within this, though, the, the closest friends I have and the people I enjoy spending time with are, are those that I can spend time outdoors doing this. Because there's a bond that, that, that you forge and exist and foster with getting your own food. And then bringing it home and eating it, you know, going pulling the crab gear and, and coming, sitting down that night and, and having a wonderful meal of crab and stuff like that. And, and I, I grew up doing this. I really don't know any other way. And so, you know, when your sphere of, of, of knowing people expands and then you, you realize, man, there's, there's people that eat out of grocery stores and right. that's what they do. Yeah. And, and talking to you, Tom, a couple of weeks ago was, it, you know, it's so important to have that connection to you know, your family, you talked about your father and you've grown up doing this with your father. Um, part of the process, you know, going out there, fishing, coming home, processing your fish, it takes hours, days, sometimes weeks. And during that time, you know, you share stories and you really bond with each other and we're able, we're able to pass down, you know, the skills and the traditions to, you know, my niece and nephew who joined fish camp. And, and that connection is really important. But it it strikes me that that so many people though that that don't do this that don't follow the seasons that are disconnected from nature are some of the most unhappiest people that that, that I encounter because they, when when you separate yourself from from the rhythms of nature from you know the wonderful healthy food that we can go get you're 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 losing out on on what this existence really has to offer. And we're so fortunate here in the Pacific Northwest to have Puget Sound, to have our mountain ranges and have all this wonderful opportunity. If you don't take advantage of it, you know, you, you never will, you never will care about anything you don't experience. And and the fact that we're separating an whole generation of youth from outdoor experiences is, is really troubling to me, especially when you see the, you know, the direction of things in general. The same. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for me to see that other side. Um, I can't imagine going to the store, relying solely on the store and when, to and, provide my food. And when you, but but you understand that context, and and it's it troubles me that there's there's so many people out there that don't understand how we view life, and that we don't want to eat out of a grocery store. We want to eat off the land, and so their context is well, what you know, why do you guys need guns? Why do you guys need to go do this? You can just go to the grocery store. No. No, uh-uh. no, I want to know where my food comes from, and it's a it's a healthy, wonderful, satisfying way of eating, which we are going to do next. Let's. Yeah, everybody's got a napkin here. We've got smoked <laughs> yeah. salmon all over the place. You brought salmon jerky, which I'm excited to dive into, and we got to get into this cold smoking process because yeah. right. it's really interesting, yeah. and I, I know a lot of folks out there really want to hear about it. So let's take a quick break here, Tom. Yeah, and let's dive into that right after yeah, the break. Yeah, here. give us give us ninety seconds. We're right back here. I want you to chime in on that text toys too. We're uh, open and ready for business. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. That is, of course, the uh, the reverse chime hotline by Trial Wellcraft Duckworth Northwest. Well, give us ninety seconds. And we'll already be into the smoked salmon by then right here on the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. 
From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports 710, Seattle Sports app. Matt Nelson running the board this morning. Rob Ensley, <laughs> we got a text. Uh, almost had to put Robbo on a milk carton. Yeah, <laughs> missing in action. Of course, Joey Pyburn and very special guest Heather Dufill, AK Moosey on Instagram. And we've already started the uh, the the smoked salmon uh, eating here. So, um, you brought in some Ocean Bright chum, mm-hmm. and Rob used the term jerky. Would you? Is that what you would call this? No, or no, I didn't think so. <laughs> We'd it, call it, it dried fish. Dried fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't like the term jerky. Okay, at all. But, but you're such a brown noser. Dude, Look at you. No, it's just not jerky. <laughs> Sam, I don't like the connotation of jerky because jerky's tough, and this is but that's very very flavorful. So describe it. This is long strips. Right. So we take a whole fillet. Yeah. And we cut, um, we cut the fillet into quarter inch strips. And then after that, we do just a quick wet brine. So if we're going to dry fish, we... Cutting the filet, though, you have a bunch of these videos on your Instagram uh, channel, of course. And when you're cutting these strips, you got to have it. And your dad uses a, a rough cut cedar board to cut the strips on because it holds the salmon in place. Right. It's really tricky to get that perfect cut in there. And you kind of have to have that, that and his rough cut, on board. his cuts are like perfect. perfect. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, he, he is, miter, he is a master. Yeah. yeah. So, it. yeah, we do use a rough cut red cedar board. It keeps the filet from moving. Mm-hmm. He uses a a Forschner eight inch butcher knife to cut this to to fillet fish and to cut the strips. Um, it truly is a work of art. Um, I finally graduated to the point where I have my own rough cut cedar oh, board. Nice. I got my own original <laughs> knife from dad. And um, I can now cut my own strips. Okay. Mo- most people would never be able to cut the strips that perfect because they, they would just never get enough experience doing it. I mean, you can tell your dad is, he's filleted millions <laughs> of yeah, fish, yeah. you know? Yeah, he's, he's the best. Okay. Yeah, he is. And then you and then you talk about the brine. Now, most of us are used to okay. You put the salmon in the brine, throw it in the fridge overnight, and you pull it out the next morning. This is it's not that way at all with your process. It's very quick. Talk about that really right. quick. Right. So the strips they're so thin, so they really do soak up you know the salt really quickly. So we just do a wet brine. Um, we do three parts brown sugar to one part salt. Fill a bucket up with water and just blanch the strips. You know, less than thirty seconds. Really? So just dip and take them out, and then wow, yeah, and, we, and they have there's, like you said, if you were to salt this any longer, no, or brine it any yeah. longer, it would be too salty. Mm-hmm. It's perfect, and that's why so many people over salt and right. overcook. We still want to taste the fish. You no, know, we like, mm-hmm. yeah, we like mm-hmm. the taste of fish. We yeah. don't want to drown and it out with when teriyaki or no. <laughs> when you're cutting those strips too. You're leaving them connected to the collar. So there's something to hold them together when you hang them on the racks, right? Is that is that correct? Kind of. So okay. so we we leave them connected at the top, but mm-hmm. we actually do remove the collar and mm-hmm. we smoke the collar separately and then we mm-hmm. we like to steam those for dinner. So we do a cold smoke method and um our fish it requires either drying or cooking when we take it out of the smokehouse. We smoke um our strips in a 6 foot by 6 foot smokehouse. And it has a fire in the ground, and we cover the fire with a piece of tin so it never gets hot. 
because that as soon as um, the smokehouse gets warm, it changes the texture of your fish. It gets a little bit softer. It does for sure. So just going back to the the finish of the brine process, because once you're you're in that three to one brown sugar to salt, which which I'm closer to like two and a half to yeah. one. So our, we used our to salt, do equal parts, but we just recently yeah I've been cutting yeah. I've been cutting salt cutting salt. So so make a long story short, you drop that in. You do not rinse it. You take it right out of the and you hang it over. You hang it over spruce. Right. So we sticks. take we take it out of the bucket and we usually just put it right in a like a basket that we've beach combed from right. the outside waters, floated <laughs> over from overseas. Yeah, and, <laughs> and with some Yeti coolers and some exactly. luggage and everything else. <laughs> and then we carry it down to the smokehouse and we use um, spruce sticks. Yeah. They're really strong. They can hold a lot of weight and then they don't add flavor to the fish. You know, like a cedar. Sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And um, yeah, we just we hang them over the strips, and then you know our smoke time depends on a lot of things. Depends you know, on the, the outside weather, temperature, sure. Humidity. Yep. So, and is there a better time of year to do it? Like, is there a time of year, or or is it during harvest season? You yeah, just you're just, just each, you're just rolling. Each season, we harvest a different food, and you know, all summer it's salmon. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't put up your salmon that summer, you're not going to have food. So. Right. Like like we said earlier, we we rely uh, off, we live off the land. So, right. so it goes in the smoker. How long is it in the smoker for? So for these for dried fish, it's one fire. Mm-hmm. So it's about a day. Okay, just one fire. Yeah. Yep. And then you know if you smoke fish too long, it gets bitter. Absolutely. Yeah. And then how do you how do you put it up? Is it to done? Then? It. Is it done that, or do you go hang it and dry it up, and then? So you... we remove the strips from the smokehouse, and mm-hmm. then my dad has built um, a drying shed. It look it's about the size of a refrigerator, and it has thinner spruce sticks. And you rehang the strips on those sticks and hang it in the dryer. And it takes about three days to dry. Is there a fan in there or anything There's else? There's a fan. Yeah. We've, okay. We've added a dehumidifier. It helps cut down the dry time. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. You can actually dry it. Oh, and it has a space heater. But with the dehumidifier, you can actually dry it without the heat. No kidding. And about halfway through, so after about a day and a half, we flip the strips over on the sticks because the part that's sure. laying on the stick yeah. can get a little bit strong. But we, we like that too. I you know, I, I'd like to take these and uh, dip them in seal oil. As a condiment? No kidding. Yeah. What, what's it's that? like nothing's it better than what? like fresh dried fish there's, and know, seal oil. We know where you could get some seals. Yeah, What's the clinket word for that? Because there's a word for that, right? For seal oil? For seal oil, yeah. I Honestly, I don't know. Okay. All right. I, um, I, but what, the, what does seal oil taste like? Is there is there something? So, can... so we actually cook this. We cook the oil up north in Alaska. They render the oil in like a cold place in it, and they just scoop it off the top of a bucket. Um, we actually take bits of seal fat and cook it in a pot, and we render the oil that way. So it's a little less strong. But the only thing that tastes like seal oil mm-hmm. is seal, seal oil. oil. <laughs> and and so when you – like I render bear fat from, from the bears I harvest here in mm-hmm. Washington – and then, you know, the bear fat will actually harden up in the jar. Seal okay. oil it stays doesn't. Liquid. It stays liquid, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yep. So we, you know, we harvest the seal and we use all of it. So, we, you know, I use the hide and 
I'm a skin sewer, so I make moccasins and hats out of the hide. And we eat the flippers. We use the fat to make cracklings and seal oil. And you eat the kidneys, and you can smoke the meat the same way we smoke these salmon strips in our smokehouse. Okay, I'm in. Let's do I'm it. Too. It's really I'm, good. <laughs> yeah, and then how about we do this this weekend? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> run down to Sportco and we grab can go some. After the show. Uh, yeah, let's just run right <laughs> out seal there. Seal meat's actually one of my favorite red meats. I've mm, heard it's, it's really I've heard rich it's in good. iron and yeah, yeah. So we're we are getting a bunch of we're getting a bunch of texts in. And, uh, you know, from, from the, um, from the four, two, five, uh, Hey, good morning guys. All I have is, excuse me, from the two, five, three, all I have is a little chief smoker. Is there any trick I, you care to pass on that you're using other than the standard way I'm using it? And my advice would be, look, people around here, they'll wet brine their fish for several hours. They'll pull it out and they'll put it right in the smoker. And, and it's and not just a smoker, though. That's a hot box and hot plate smoker. So you drive temperatures, and it gets really, really warm. And, and what people what happens then is the water comes out at, and at the same time as the oil, and you get that white, milky curd on top mm-hmm. of the fish. It almost looks like egg white, right? And, and similar, it is a, a denatured protein, you know, water mix that, that comes out and makes that. And so if you're doing that, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. You want to dry that fish. And so it, even if I am warm cooking or kippering that fish, I air dry for a minimum of 24 hours, again, depending on the outside temperatures. But but my brine is an overnight deal, and then I rinse it. But I'm going to do this. This strip. is fantastic, by the way. It's. I wish I would have had one more day to air dry it, but I, I, had, to, I had to push the timeline a little bit. So what you, I got to ask you about your, about the dehumidifier you put in the smoker, though. I didn't know. I didn't know uh, in the that. dryer. Excuse me, in the mm-hmm. dryer. In the dryer. What uh, What kind of dehumidifier is it? Um, is it electric or is he it? He wants to know oh, the yeah. brand. He's I'm like, get oh, sponsored. just a Craigslist. Tom's looking Craigslist for a sponsorship fine. right now. Yeah, really, yeah. So we need to know <laughs> the brand. It's electric. Yeah, the dehumidifier yeah. timeline here. It's, so, it's yeah. electric. Yeah, we it's have electric. one of those electric strips that yeah. is oh, okay. fed into the dryer, yeah. you know, through a little hole in the side. And Perfect. Yeah, we plug it in and we have little oscillating fans. Okay. And, well, this is this is going to be part one of the uh, of the smoked salmon discussion here. And before we go to a break here, we got a bus out of here for a break, but we got another question for you, Heather. What's the best prep for the fish going from the water to the smoking process? And I think what this question is maybe like, should we freeze it first? Do we, you know, how do we handle right. the fish from the water to the smoker? It just goes straight from the brine into a drain basket mm-hmm. long enough to walk down to the smokehouse. You know, it's about 200 feet away, and then you just hang your strips. Yeah. Awesome. That's fascinating because, you know, that, that quick brine don't rinse it, air dry deal. Yeah, and I, I can see a whole lot of fish going through this process. You so, watch his Instagram; so, it's going to yeah. blow up with this whole. <laughs> well, strip you know thing. what? Everyone has their own way, they and, and there—I don't think there is a wrong way. Yeah, you know, you're out yeah. there, you're smoking fish, you're putting up your own food, and that's what it's all about. It is, it and is. you and you learn you about the process yeah. as you as you it do it. It truly more. is an art, and it's rewarding, and it is, yeah. and, and just to be able, to, especially this time of year. Where you're getting together with you know friends and family mm-hmm. and relatives over the holidays to bring out smoked salmon, you just watch people go, oh my goodness, because there's just there's something so primal about that smoke and fish, you know, right. wonderful thing that comes and out of it. And then you remember the process, you think yep. about the fish, where you caught it, where yeah. it came from, you appreciate it, the life, you know, that it gave, and it's just great. It's just another story. Yeah. Here we go. Speaking of another story, Robbo has another hunting story, but it's but it's actually two stories wide. And and so we need help. We got a special in Shondi Campbell, Shondi Campbell, who's Browning's media and events coordinator. 
She's next, going to tell us all about Robbo's New Mexico Elk Adventure right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Joey Pybert, of course, you know, every week. Robbo, occasionally, mm-hmm. okay? Occasionally Robbo. First time for, for Heather Duville, a.k.a. Moosey on Instagram, um, our, our our new favorite clinket. And, Thank you. And, no, I'm so I'm so happy to have you here, and and, and uh, we uh, we've been going through some uh, some smoked salmon techs tech and all that. So, but we cover both sports here, and the other sport we cover obviously is hunting, right? Which isn't really a sport; it's kind of more of a way of life. Shawnee Campbell's uh, still. I, I even talked to talk her this week. That's after right. a week with me, she's I like she's done. I, yeah. I don't blame her a bit. <laughs> but you got to spend uh, almost a week in New Mexico down yeah. there on just a dream hunt, dude. Dream hunt, man. Private ranch. Browning's been trying to get on this ranch for six years. Uh, pretty small operation, just a couple guides, and, and they don't even want their name mentioned. Right. They have a waiting list that's six years deep. And uh, finally, they had an opening, and Shawnee was able to book it, and, and myself and Jimmy Wilson from Winchester went down there. Colton Heward, who just, he's in his early 30s. He's a ringer. He travels wow. the world hunting and writing about it and all this stuff. Just a, a wonderful guy. And uh, we had a blast down there. And this is just mule deer and elk heaven. Elk heaven. And actually, the first day, Shondi stumbles upon this cranker mule deer. And it was the last day of deer season, so she decided, you know, he's like, well, you can't really have a mule deer and an elk, but I'll let you take that mule deer. And this was a cranker mule deer. Really cool picture buck. of it. Oh, man, just a cranker. 590 yards. Shondi oh, laid man. it down with this 6.8 uh, Western. We were shooting the new Copper Impact Bullets. From Winchester, uh, which are just amazing. You know, it used to be these 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 copper bullets didn't expand at long ranges. Right, well, Winchester right. and a couple other companies figured out how to re- they redesign them so that now that you get your expansion. And I mean, she took down that mule deer. Colton shot an elk at 590 yards, dropped it in its tracks. 162 grain bullet. Um, anyway, we had a great time down there. Uh, we got to test out the new Ovix camo. How do you test out camel? Well, you know, it, it blended in really well. It was really comfortable. It's made of this stretchy fabric, so it's really comfortable. The only thing it doesn't have is, like, uh, resistance to cactus quills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you. We it's, picked it's out every night. We came home and picked cactus quills out of our elbows, <laughs> of your palms. Oh, and, yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, But a wonderful trip. I shot a, I mean, we all shot cranker bowls. Um, Jimmy was the last one to go. He kept holding out, you know, looking for yeah. a good ball. He shot an absolute whopper the last afternoon there. Uh, right before dark, I got just an amazing photo of this bowl with the sunset going down. Those sunsets in New Mexico yeah, are just, yeah, just incredible. But uh, Private Ranch, um, you know. Really, were, they, were they still vocal down there at all? Did you hear uh, There was a, a couple bit? screaming. Yeah. They didn't get the memo that it was yeah. kind of over with, right. you know. But most of them were kind of, you know, the bulls were over here, the cows were over there. Sure. Yeah, and, it was uh, over. And were the, were the bulls kind of grouped up? Yeah, they point? were. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. see groups of, I don't know, anywhere from, you know, two to maybe five together. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, it was a dream hunt. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. the numbers, I, I can't even say on air the kind of numbers of, of elk we were seeing. I mean, it was just, uh, we, we'd go back and just shake our heads like, is this really happening? Right. Uh, so, yeah, but definitely a privilege to go down there and spend time, of course, with Shondi. She's wonderful. And uh, the rest of the gang there and the guides were, were great. Uh, brought a bunch of elk meat home. Um, 
Yeah, it was cool. Big big six by six and three big huge heavy coolers of elk meat. So, Very cool. Yeah. There's you yeah. know have, are you uh, have you eaten much much elk, Heather? No, I I love elk, but oh. I've never gotten one. Oh, I love they're hearing just, these stories. Yeah, you need just, to come down here sometime for sure, and uh, we'll get you out elk hunting. But uh, yeah, it's just, a lot of fun. It's phenomenal. It's it, you know, I mean, I love eating deer, uh, you know, but elk. There's just really something special about that for sure. So, yeah. So, so Robbo has a lot right now. Okay, and he's got a whole whole caribou in the freezer too. One so. of the things though, and it, about these late season bulls, they've been you know they went through say six weeks of the rut. Sure. Where they don't eat, and all they do is run all day long, chasing <laughs> yeah. the gals around. And so these late-season bulls, ah, you know, m- most of this bull is, is hamburger. I yeah. took the backstrap, sirloins, tenderloins, but, you know, as far as steaks go, we had some the other night. It's more of a you got to kind of marinate them for a while and then, you know, do the deal. So a lot of hamburger there. Uh, we'll be eating some hamburgers this summer, Heather. We'll have plenty of that kicking nice. around Looking fish camp. Looking forward to it. But, so uh, yeah. you, you got a, a, a nice blacktail. I did. I, they, got, I got my first 4x4. Four four. No That was kidding. a good one. And so I've been trying hard, for years. They're hard to come by. Well, and you guys call up mm-hmm. there. So tell us where, tell us how. Well, we went, to, you know, right now they're the blacktail are in the muskeg. They're, it's the rut, so... So people down here may not know what a muskeg is. I, I know what it is. We know what it is because we've stomped all over up there. But what is a yeah, muskeg? How would you describe a muskeg? Uh, it's kind of like a, a boggy opening in, in, in the... A lot of it, low bull pines. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like a boggy meadow kind of, yeah. you know. and, and the wet, cra- marshy ground. The crazy thing up there is you look at, at a spot and it's just, it looks like the jungle. But you get on Google Earth and you're like, Wow. Right on the other side of those trees, there's, there's a football field yeah. in there. Right. And those are the spots you want to find. You go in there and you sit on the edge of the forest in there and you, you use a, a, I mean, we use drop shot calls. There's a bunch of different calls. You guys probably make your own calls. My dad uh, makes Knowing you guys, I guarantee calls. he does. Um, and you sit in there and you do a fawn bleat and they come in. The does will come in. You know, they think it's a lost fawn or whatever. So the does will come in and here comes a buck following right after him. So Sometimes fun. the bucks come right in too. I literally get nervous just talking about this. I get oh, the awesome. worst buck fever. Do you, do you I really? cannot control it. And I, like my heart is beating just <laughs> Yeah, so I've been trying, you know, I've always wanted to get a big buck. I'm happy with any For sure. Year, yeah. You know, because yeah. But I, I blew it a, a few years ago and I missed one and yeah. I like lost sleep for like a week. So, <laughs> so this time, you know, we get you know, we go to an easier place. My mm-hmm. dad's my dad's about to be seventy four, so we hike up there, and you know, it's the first place we call. I get close, you know, to a bull pine so I can get a rest. I shoot a, it's a pre sixty four twenty two Hornet. It was rechambered to a two twenty two. It's got a real light trigger pull. That's the only gun I've ever shot. So you know. You got to shoot them just right. Well, yeah. these are small deer. Sitka blacktails are are pretty small. You know, people are out there thinking, "Oh, she's shooting a, a two twenty two. Well, a lot of the folks up there are shooting those smaller calibers, you know, and they work just wonderful on those on those blacktails. So yeah. So you know, my dad blows the call and I hear it coming. You know, and I I start to panic. <laughs> <laughs> breathing really hard i have to look away take a few breaths like okay breathing calm down bag, i can hear it yeah <laughs> so i thought oh my gosh i'm standing here but i could feel myself shaking so i yeah. i get down low so i can you know have a lower center of gravity and i see it come out and he's like it's a two point get it it's a two points nice meat buck all right okay i'm ready and then it comes around this bull pine and it's i just see like 
huge oh, horns. Oh, no, you looked at the rack. Yeah. Oh, no. No, I see it four, four on oh, one no. side. I'm like, this is not a two-point. And so I, I'm waiting. You know, it's coming in calm. Now bug fever is really Yeah, r- and he's like, up. yeah, so I get it. I'm so excited. Like, I'm overwhelmed. And um, he said, gosh, I wish I would have been videoing you. Your gun was just moving like this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch it on like the third or fourth lap? Did yeah, exactly. Just right when it rate. crossed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I could feel like I, I went deaf. Like I just totally black out. I, I, he's like, I guess some people just never get over Your it. It's like, wake up, wake up, <laughs> shoot the buck. So, so the strategy with the calling is really you, you're imitating a fawn to get the does to come in. And the, so you're not really calling the bucks. You're calling the does to come in and the, and the bucks are following the does. Yeah. Yeah. If a, if a buck is with the doe and a doe comes, the buck's coming with it. Yeah. But um, yeah, this buck just came in by itself. But if it if a buck is with the doe, some like nearby, and the doe doesn't come, it's not going to come to the call. Gotcha. It'll but you stay with you, the doe. You will call in a buck with a with a a, a fawn breed mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, if there if he doesn't have a doe with him, he's going to go check out what's going on because there may be a doe with that mm-hmm. fawn. He's going to mm-hmm. come see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes Might be a lady just, nearby over there. Yeah, yeah. they just come hey, in slow. What's your name? Yeah. <laughs> My <Yeah>. name's Heather. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then she tips over. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it. Okay. It's pretty neat, though. You know, we make a pack out of the deer itself. Sure. We call I've, it. We call it a clinket yeah, backpack. Yeah, I've seen that. On yeah. Your so Insta. we don't. Yeah, we don't quarter them up or, you know, take yeah. care of them in the field. We pack them out whole because we want to use a cape and make sure. leather, and we take all the bones and. Make deer bone soup. And what about what about other stuff uh, like normal folks? They may take the heart. They may take the liver. Talk about some yeah, other stuff so we, you guys might harvest. We take the heart, the liver, and the stomach. Fried deer stomach is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, when we make the pack, we cut off the back legs and then toggle them through the front legs. We yeah, make like a cross pack. And we yeah. put the organs inside the cavity, so when you're packing it out, they don't fall out. And um, yeah, I packed Super that cool. thing out. It was it was hard work. It was really rewarding. Funny with with the cell cut, all all the kids wanted was the hearts. Oh, Dad, are you bringing home that? They love eating venison heart or elk, yeah, elk heart or whatever. Are amazing. Yeah. Uh, I I've, unfortunately when I shot my elk, the heart was no longer intact. So, mm-hmm. but I managed to grab two of them from the other elk that we got, and yeah, pretty exciting. So Dude, they're amazing. Anyway, Shawnee just got back to me. She uh, had her phone on silence. So we're going to grab her right after the break here in the next segment here. And oh, and, we uh, have to adjust. We for have to Shandy. adjust. Well, oh, she's okay. worth adjusting for. Well, trust okay. me. So, so during yeah. during the break, I'll adjust my show sheet to accommodate her. I know your show sheet is so. <laughs> you spent all of seven minutes putting it together yesterday. <laughs> okay, so I know how much time you spent. All right, on no it. kidding. Shawnee Campbell next here on the. Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Ray Marine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Ray Marine, simply superior. Well, we're swapping around this segment. It's the Browning Bullbuster segment <laughs> instead of Ray Marine Picks of the Week because Shondi sprung forward and I fell back, and so we had a, a time zone uh, issue, and we'll just. I'll, I'll take the I'll take the blame for this one, Shondi. Okay. Good All right. morning, Shondi. This, this one's on me. Uh, so, th- thank you for joining us this morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys this morning? We're doing good. We're doing good. A little smoked salmon here in the studio, and and kind of recap 
A little bit of the hunt that we just went on down in New Mexico. My goodness, I'm still shaking my head, Shondi. That was just that was like a dream hunt. And I can't thank you enough for inviting me. I had a wonderful time with all with all of you down there. And of course our guides were just amazing. The whole thing was just incredible. So can't thank you enough. Uh have you tried any of those steaks yet? You tried any any of that uh, that mule deer yet? I did. I ate it the day I got back. It was so good. So good. So Shondi about you. Shondi, explain this. You're on you're on an amazing elk hunt, and you decide to pass on harvesting an elk to shoot this awesome mule deer. And look, that that is an amazing buck, beautiful buck. He's a little non-typical, heavy, mature, but uh, you passed on an elk hunt. Tell me the thought process behind taking that buck. I am from Utah, and so mule deer are the trophy of all trophies in Utah. And a big mature one is hard Mm -hmm. to find. So as soon as the guide said, would you shoot a deer? And I looked at him and I said, do not play with my emotions because (laughs) she's already bailing out of the truck at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, are you, are you serious? Cause I, I mean, I've hunted my entire life. I've never had the opportunity of a deer like that. Um, and so as soon as we, as soon as we pulled up, we didn't see the deer that I think Robin then had seen Mm -hmm. and we spotted this one and Dream come true, dear. Uh, I've had a phenomenal season, guys. I can't, I can't explain it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so. You shot a huge uh, caribou up there in the Arctic, and then a what a three sixty bull in Colorado, and now this uh, this deal here. But I, we were we were we we're just thrilled for you. We got to try out the new Ovix camo. Uh, which I got to tell you is super comfortable and whatever that stretchy material goes into that stuff. I mean, uh, those pants, we wore the camo pants, of course, but I'm telling you, I'm going to order some solid colors and they're going to be like my everyday britches from now on. Well, I've been wearing it in the duck blind and mm-hmm. I show up the other day on this snow goose hunt and, you know, all these guys are wearing fancy Sitka rain gear and all this stuff. And they're all like, Ooh, what's that? Let me see that. I'm like, Oh, it's the new Browning stuff. And yeah, I, yeah it's great. I love it. It's my favorite too, guys. We really went technical this year, and it's turned out to be absolutely phenomenal. So, what's the, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of it? I mean, is it is it something we need to go to Browning dot com and look at? Yep, it's all available at Browning dot com. Also available at your local Browning dealers as well. Um, check out the Pavant stuff. That's really that's what me and Rob were wearing last week. That's been the the mid season stuff, and the Dutton stuff going to go into play here shortly with all the snow. Well, where do you go from here? Because you know, you go get your big caribou up north, and now you're you're on this dream hunt, and, and now, so, you know, big game hunting season is kind of winding down a little bit, so what, what do you have on your radar between now and the end of the year? You know what? It is over for me. I'm going to end the 22 season uh, with the back of a lifetime and look at 2023 and be probably chasing the 22 season for the rest of my life. <laughs> I mean, there, there's still there's still birds flying around out there, Shondi. She's got to get some work done at some point. Yeah, so. that's that true, is, yeah. That's yeah. getting work done, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. There's still duck going on here in Utah. Uh, but we're, I'm not – I love waterfowl, but I, I really – Rob's talking about it. I probably should be in the office a little bit more. <laughs> so should he. Like but, but, we're, but, but we're not going to go there. So, so speaking of 2023, I mean, you know – Browning has been pushing the envelope for as long as Browning's been in existence, right? And so the 6.8s, it, it's, it's interesting because from a bullet design standpoint, from a performance standpoint, the Browning 6.8 has set a new standard, and there's no, no, no sincere form of flattery than imitation. We're starting to see 
kind of some other other calibers kind of trying to catch up to the Browning 6.8. But what do you what do you see coming down the line with regard to rifle actions and calibers coming out of Browning? You know, we're always going to push the envelope. Something always moves around the corner, and, of course, shot shows around the corner. So I can't speak a lot to 23, but uh, we're at the forefront of all of it. we got to use the new Winchester Copper Impacts down there, too. And, and for the longest time, you know, Copper Bullets, they performed wonderfully, but at a little bit shorter range. You know, three, 400 yards maybe max. But now Winchester and a couple other companies have redesigned these bullets so they're working way out there. I mean, you you stroke that mule deer at 590 yards. Uh, Colton shot his bull at 590 yards, dropped it right in its tracks with a hundred with 162 grain yeah. bullet. Used to be okay. Bring out the 338 yeah. and a 200 yeah. and whatever grain bullet, and tr- screaming at 3400 feet per second or whatever it is. And and now, I mean, you know, we're firing these 6.8 westerns at. 2,900 feet per second. The bullet's doing all the work. You can actually see the impact because you're not getting belted, you know, four feet back when you pull the trigger, you know. Um, just a, a whole different concept with these high BC bullets. Uh, pretty pretty remarkable to watch them perform down there, and, and uh, they really worked well. We've been firing the 175 green uh, ammunition out of our Browning 6.8s. We're, we're all switching to the, to the 162 grains, I guarantee it, after this trip. I mean, they just performed unbelievable. They were really great. And to go back to like watch, being able to watch your shot, I shot mm-hmm. my Elks a couple of weeks before with the 300 and I wasn't able to, you know, look at the follow-up shot and that on the deer, I watched the whole thing. So I'm a huge 6.8 fan and I'll continue to be a huge 6.8 there, fan. There's a huge benefit to, to being able to watch your shot. If, if you happen to make a bad shot on an animal, you're going to see the impact and be able to get your right on them. You're back on and taking another shot. Correct. With the 300, I couldn't get back on him. Um, luckily, he dropped in his tracks, but with the 6.8, it was easy. Watched the whole thing right through my scope. And it just makes the whole experience that much more pleasurable when you're not you – you, the, the light kick of these rifles and the performance terminally is just it, – it's not anything that, that – I mean, it's brand new to the marketplace. And until you kind of experience it, you really have no clue. So, all right, what do you have? What do you have in the hopper then? If you're if you're going to keep things secret on Browning.com, how about Shondi Campbell? What do you? Where are you going hunting in, in next year? What are you? What are you looking at doing? Oh, you know, I the girls want to get back together, and we're looking at uh, pick a blacktail, um, maybe an Africa trip. And Rob mentioned moose in there somewhere. I think about what three three segments back he said moose. I know y'all heard it. <laughs> yeah, we're working on a moose trip for sure. <laughs> right. I haven't seen any details, but it's out there. All Real right. quick, uh, we've got Heather Deville here in studio, AK Moosey, our good friend from Southeast Alaska, and um, she just shot a cranker Sitka blacktail a few days ago up in Alaska, and, and she mentioned that you know that she gets a little buck fever still, and she's been hunting her whole life. I've watched you shoot. I don't think you get buck fever, do you? Do you you're just like a stone-cold killer. Do you get the jitters at all? I really have to talk myself out of it. So okay. from the minute I was, like, starting to shoot, I would talk myself be like, do not get excited over this. Like, do not look at the antlers. Just put down the deer and then get excited. Because I would lose my ever-loving mind before. Like, when I was little, oh, man, it was crazy. So now it's like, okay, just. Just do the job and then get crazy excited because Rob wasn't exactly there when I shot that deer, but I almost, I mean, I jumped as high as an NBA player. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the stupid antlers. 
I get the, you can't the, look the at it is you can't I the, look. I get the same thing. I even when I'm just glassing, I'll see a deer, and then if there's antlers, I can feel my heart start to pound. And even, I, I don't look at them. So once buck. I make the decision I that I'm going to take that animal, like even this this bull was like, oh crap, that's a big bull, and I was like, oh, and I quit looking at the antlers. I'm yeah. like, I just yeah. focused on the target. And that was it, because I was like, I got all these guys watching me. Like, what if I screw this up, you know? And so I just quit looking at the antlers all together, especially that mule deer, Shondi. Oh, my gosh. That thing was a monster. Uh, So, yeah. And I had Colton behind me telling me all about it. And I was like, Colton, he's like, it's got cheaters. It's got sack cheaters. Yeah, yeah. It's heavy. It's Oh, it's really heavy. Yeah, well, thank you again, Shondi. Again, I, I just can't thank you enough. I had a blast with all of you down there and certainly hope we can we can share a duck blind or another hunting camp or something here in the near future and, and uh, have yourself a great rest of the weekend and hope to see a shot show or, or one of the shows coming up here. Thank you, guys. Thank you, awesome. Shondi. We Shondi. appreciate it. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pop out of here and 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 call it a night. I call it a good hour one here. We're starting to get more texts. So tell you what, eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Powered by Yamaha Outboards. That is the text line loaded up. We're getting a lot of smoked fish questions, and we are going to do a smoked salmon segment at O seven hundred with our new bestest right. our new bestest buddy Heather Duville, AK Moosey on Instagram. <laughs> Go give her a follow. Our our our, our house clink it. That's that's her. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back here on the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station 710 and the 710.